Good morning. New York City, the city that never sleeps, the home of the Statue of Liberty, a gift from the government of France to symbolize the special bond between our two countries going back to the American Revolution. And on the pedestal of that iconic entry point as folks are finding their way into New York Harbor and into America are the words that almost echo scripture. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to be free. Freedom. New York City, also the home to those, uh, has everybody been to New York City? Right? If you're on the streets of New York, you're not on the subway, you will notice one thing about the streets of New York. They are filled with taxicabs. They're all the same color. They're all yellow, at least last time I was there, unless they painted them. And as is my want, I will typically try to strike up a conversation with the cabbie. Now, it's increasingly hard because they have all this apparatus, technology stuff, but if I can, even through the barrier, I'll try to strike up a conversation. And, and not long ago, I, I succeeded. And, and is my want, I'm a little bit overly curious, I, I will ask if it appears that the person is from another country. Uh, do you mind my asking, uh, where are you from? And this particular cab driver says, as he's driving, Albania. So, oh, Albania. Gee, that's great. How did you come to, to this country? And at the next traffic light, he turns and he said, you can eat bread anywhere. In America, you can eat bread in freedom. You can eat bread anywhere. But in America, you can eat bread in freedom. That word that stirs the heart, the word that we see in Scripture time and time again, and how appropriate since this last weekend, America marked the 50th anniversary of Dr. King's immortal I Have a Dream speech. Hear those words echo here as you gather for convocation, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last. Freedom. Think of the great reform movements of yesteryear and of today, largely driven by Christian evangelicals. My proposition is for there to be peace, there must be freedom. Indeed, as Christians, we believe freedom is integral to the human spirit. It's the way 
God made us, regardless of our country of origin. But for too much of human history, including now, freedom has been and is the exception, a lonely orphan. Freedom. It begins with freedom of the mind and freedom of conscience that translates into the freedom to assemble, to worship, to speak. It begins with a relationship between God and the individual. This year, mark your calendars, we will note the 1700th anniversary 1700 anniversary of the Edict of Milan, issued by the Emperor Constantine in the year of our Lord 313. This Constantinian pronouncement became the first time in human history that an official state document set forth the bedrock principle of religious freedom and freedom of conscience for literally everyone. Twelve centuries later, during the Reformation, Henry IV, not the Eighth, Henry IV of France, issued the Edict of Nantes. This was an announcement of freedom being conferred upon Protestants, in France, a Catholic country, to be able to worship freely. Across the Atlantic, here at home, the founding of the American experiment, which continues into its third century, the Declaration and the Constitution and the Bill of Rights proclaimed basic human rights and religious freedom for all. That was the 18th century. Think of the 19th century and again Christian evangelicals, William Wilberforce leading the abolitionist movement and his mentor John Newton. Amazing grace. In the 20th century less noted the Williamsburg Charter presented to the nation in 1988 to mark the 200th anniversary of the Commonwealth of Virginia's call on the Congress for a Bill of Rights for the American people. And the Williamsburg Charter celebrates the strength in particular of the First Amendment to America's Constitution and calls for a reaffirmation of its bold principles. One final document, as recently as last year. 2012, the Global Charter of Conscience, drafted by a group of international academics, statesmen, NGO leaders, church persons, representing a variety of faiths. The Global Charter was an experiment launched in the European Parliament, and it's steadily gaining support, growing out of concerns because of the erosion of religious liberty. And thus far, even though it's fairly early on, a number of countries, leaders, have 
indicated their approbation. And in particular of its restatement of Article 18 of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. Freedom of thought, conscience, and religion, which together may be described as religious freedom, is a precious, fundamental, and inalienable human right. This is all good, but as I suggested just a moment ago, liberty, it seems, is almost always under assault. And much of mankind in the 21st century continues to have to struggle for freedom of conscience and of belief. The annual global survey conducted by Freedom House reports that 85 countries are free. But those 85 countries represent less than half of the world's population. The survey finds that 59 countries are partly free, but that 48 countries do not, the people of those countries do not enjoy these basic freedoms. 2.1 billion people in the world not tasting freedom. As Brian lifted up in scripture, freedom, liberty, are continual themes in scripture. Over 100 times there is the mention of that specific word, freedom or, or liberty. The foundation, of course, the words of Christ, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. The New Testament's use of the word freedom contrasts with the Old Testament's use, and there are people sitting right here who can describe this much more authoritatively in terms of the textual analysis. Suffice it for this layperson to say that the Old Testament tends to focus on liberty as freedom from external sources, say an oppressive ruler, or imprisonment, or some form of injustice that ends up depriving one of freedom. Moses, Joseph's unjust imprisonment. The New Testament uses freedom or liberty in quite a different way, focusing on the internal condition of, of the heart, emancipation through Christ from sin and guilt, I love that reading the passage that Jesus is in his hometown and he's in his hometown synagogue and as Dr. Brewer read to us earlier, the spirit of the Lord is on me, drawing from Isaiah, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom. Freedom. The apostle Paul wrote continually about liberty. 2 Corinthians 3.17, now the, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free, as Dr. Brewer read. Romans 8.1, therefore there is now no condemnation for those of us in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life has set me free. Christ fought and won that freedom battle 
for us, each of us. So we've been given the gift of freedom. And it's thus our blessing and our responsibility to act as those who have been liberated. But I also want to suggest that we also have a responsibility as a free people to do that which I think Christ Jesus himself was lifting up, the responsibility of nurturing the culture of freedom. And pastors and and others in, in ministry have a great opportunity to be instruments of peace and freedom. They can serve as champions of freedom. And this is something that our Baptist ancestors well understood. The great American historian George Bancroft wrote this, Freedom of conscience, unlimited freedom of mind, was from the very first the trophy of the Baptists. It's proud heritage. Subject to persecution himself, Roger Williams, left Massachusetts Bay Colony and founded Rhode Island. He called the Providence Plantation. In the late 18th century, on the fundamental principle of granting religious freedom to all citizens, or that someone who is unfortunately virtually lost to history, a great man, a Baptist pastor named John Leland in Virginia, history records that Pastor Leland met with the James Madison, and instructed him in the value of freedom of conscience. It is said that they had their first meeting under an oak tree in Orange County, not California, Orange County, Virginia, near Culpeper, where Baptist pastors had been imprisoned simply for preaching the gospel. And under that tree, Leland asked for his pledge. And Mr. Madison gave him his pledge. To seek to secure religious freedom in Virginia, and then, depending on what happened, in America, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. What can we do? One example that we were discussing with Dean Diana Garland, Dean David Garland, at Pat Neff, as recently as yesterday. Saddleback Church, under the leadership, pastoral leadership of Rick Warren, has been committed to showing compassion to the people of strife-torn Rwanda, which suffered the unspeakable genocide of 1994. Through the Saddleback Peace Plan, P-E-A-C-E, promote reconciliation, equip servant leaders, assist the poor, care for the sick, educate the next generation. What I had reported when I was at Saddleback this, earlier this month, as a result of the efforts of churches, not just Saddleback, but churches coming together 
and working with pastors in Rwanda. Out of 11 million people in that beautiful, beautiful country, one million have now come out of poverty. The unspeakable tragedy of little orphans has been virtually resolved. The latest count is there are 14,000 orphans who don't have a kinship placement or, or a foster parent placement. The president of the country, President Kagame, gives credit to the church. It is the church that came alongside this little East African nation and reached out and touched. Rick Warren says this of the peace plan. As we turn from being an audience into an army, from consumers to contributors, from spectators to participators, we will change the world. And that is in your power. To encourage your audience says, as you're in ministry, to rise up, to become an army, an army reaching out to all those who labor and are heavy laden. The words of Christ Jesus, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom. Freedom a mighty word in a fallen world.